It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Won't be enjoying that lawn, at least for the next couple of days by the looks of it, and details on what is coming to Manitoba or has shown up in parts of Manitoba already. But I woke up this morning hoping to see some good news and was surprised by just how good the news was, Mr. Mackling. Well, listener Curtis yesterday on the text line said that Mackling was going to wake up and come to work grumpy and tired this morning. Well, I am neither, Curtis. I am on cloud nine. The Winnipeg Jets did their job last night. What a tremendous team performance. Connor Hellebuck was terrific when called upon. The penalty kill, they were also excellent when called upon. Morgan Barron, my goodness, we'll talk about that in greater details. We make our way through the morning. What happened to Morgan Barron? Exemplifying desire toughness and luck it was a big win for the jets five went one over vegas in the desert last night well let's find out how it went puck is dropped and it's showtime from las vegas nevada lead pass stopped at center ice by the mellow moved it ahead with a pick back inside the zone three on two Connor across the line dropping for shifley don't rage you and it's picked away by brosois Great chance for Shifley. For Morrissey to the near side for Dubois. He's down along the boards into the corner. Trying to get it out in front. A quick shot. They score! Kyle Connor. A one-timer in the slot off that pass from Dubois. Beats Brossois. And Winnipeg opens up the scoring this series. It's 1-0 for the Jets. Back across the line. Amadio lost the block. Off the bench in a line change. Picked up again by Dubois. Move right in. Shoot. Score! Luke Dubois beat Lauren Brassois short side. Two quickies for the Jets. And it's 2-0 Winnipeg. Moved up along the wing. Marshall Rick wide on the far side. Here comes Vegas into where the slot is shot. They score. William Carlson. A three-way passing play. Barbashev got in on that as well. And Vegas has got some life. It's 2-1 Winnipeg. Moved up along the wing, but not out. Fighting forward as Wheeler to the near side against Eichel. Freed up now to Mestikov. On to the far side. Back for Schmidt. Shoot, stop, rebound. Out in front. Wheeler couldn't get to the forehand. Now the backhand. He scores! Blake Wheeler hung on to the puck. Couldn't get it to the forehand. Got handcuffed. And then took one stride, got it to the backhand, through traffic, beats Brossois, and Winnipeg leads it by two again. It's three to one for the Jets. Under two minutes to go to the near side for Eichel. Shot toward the net, stop, rebound, and a backhand by Watt. Just put it wide, wide, but again, and a shot. Gloved down by Hellebach, and he'll hang on for a whistle. What a stop, a glove save by Connor Hellebach. And it remains a two-goal lead for the Jets at 3-1. Being a Coached on there by Dylan, centered out in front, broken up by Bianc, now sent ahead, Lowry to the empty net, Lowry shoots and scores! Great play by Bianc and Wheeler in front of their own net, they catapulted it down the ice, Lowry charged after it, back in behind that Vegas D, and he puts it into the yawning cage, and it's 4-1 Winnipeg here in game number one with 121 remaining in the third period. Baby! Nate Schmidt in front of his own net for Morrissey. 25 seconds to go for Domestikov. Near side for Nita Ryder across the line. Domestikov for Nita Ryder. On in front of shot, they score! Adam Lowry with a power play goal with 18 seconds left. His second of the night, and it's 5-1 Winnipeg. That will do it tonight in Vegas. Wow. The five Jets missed play. What, what, what? It's 5-1. Like, five I, one. I actually didn't stay up for the whole game. Went to bed in the first. Shame on you. Woke up and saw that score, and I thought, like, that is, I, I thought they would win last night. I really did feel good about it, but yep. I didn't, like, that was decisive. And I was already thrilled with the fact that the Leafs got pounded. And so, just what a great, you know, just <laughs> terrific all around. Well, the, the Jets' best players were their best players last night. In particular, I thought Pierre-Luc Dubois was outstanding. It's just one game. But clearly a huge road win for the Winnipeg Jets as they take a one nothing series lead over the Vegas Golden Knights. Game two goes tomorrow in Vegas, Brett. 
And we will have more at 7.35. It's our weekly Wednesday Jets chat. We'll speak to John Shannon, who's part of our Jets coverage team, also at 7.55. It's our Wednesday Jets commentary from Paul Edmonds. And we have Winnipeg Whiteout tickets to give away for Saturday's game. So we'll tell you how you can win those tickets at 6.45. In the meantime, that's great news. But some troubling news, of course, is the fact that one of the largest strikes in Canadian history is now underway, Lorenz. 155,000 federal workers with the Public Service Alliance of Canada. These workers do all sorts of things from passport office. There'll be picket lines outside 360 Main this morning. There'll be picket lines outside Union Station where there's some federal workers there. There'll be picket lines outside Canada Revenue Agency offices right across this country. And I think that's the sticking point for many Canadians. I mean, good timing for those on strike because that's going to, I think, make this far more urgent when people file their taxes and don't get their returns and don't get money back right away, or maybe you're a business that needs to get a hold of them. So we'll have a lot to discuss this morning. We're going to speak with the union at eight on what their sticking points are. And then uh, nine o'clock, speaking of taxes, Brett, that's t- I think that's what's top of mind for many is that, hang on, what happens to any rebate I might be getting or In, check? Indeed, we're going to speak with Jerry Viteratos from UFile Canada because the tax deadline is approaching. And I think we were sort of joking around like, so what happens if I owe the government money? If there's no one there to collect it, do I still have to pay it on time? So, you know, and it, I'm sure the answer is still yes, but... You know, there are some questions as that deadline approaches. Yeah, this will throw a wrench into the whole system, no doubt about it. And that's probably why this contract expires when it does, is so PSAC has as much bargaining power as possible because this is obviously front of mind for so many people this time of year. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we have Winnipeg Whiteout Street Party tickets to give away for Saturday's game, Game 3, Winnipeg Jets, Vegas Golden Knights. And today's topic has to do with something, and we're certainly not making light of this, but Mackling, what happened last night? Morgan Barron, who's been one of the Jets' better players down the stretch, uh, playing on the third line, sometimes the fourth line, was in a goal-mouth scramble. Several players on top of uh, goaltender Laurent Brassois of the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, The puck was loose, and somehow Brassois' skate found its way between Barron's face and his visor. And cut him just around the outside and uh, and and I, I want to say above his eye. And Brassois, according to Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet, received 75 stitches for the cut. He only missed about uh, three quarters of a period of play. Came back out with a cage on like uh, kids would have worn back in the day or you see in college hockey now. And uh, Barron got back into the game as soon as he could, but was very, very lucky that he didn't suffer any permanent uh, damage to his eye. Wow. Yeah, I'm just looking at the pictures. It just uh, it seemed, it almost defies physics or logic. Like, how? How did this happen? So, that's a weird injury. What's your weird injury? 204-780-6868 for a chance to win those tickets. Derek Taylor, voice of the Blue Bombers. Let's start with you, sir. Don't judge me. Mine is dumb. It was about four years ago, my wife and I were at this very nice B&B in southwestern Saskatchewan, and it was on a farm, and this guy had actually a bunch of, like, an old church and stuff. It was it was a strange place. But he had doves that had nested in the church, and there was a hawk patrolling. He said, the hawk comes to kill the doves. And I said, you know what? I'm going to pick up a rock, and if that hawk gets low enough, I'm going to throw the rock, and I'm going to hit him. I'm going to pick him out of the sky because I'm trying to impress my wife, <laughs> obviously. Clearly. Uh, the hawk does get low enough. I throw it, and as I come through, my 45-year-old shoulder goes crick, crack, crick, crack, glunk. The rock goes about 11 feet in the air, comes down, and actually drills a young cow right in the forehead. <laughs> the hawk gets away, obviously, but I've never been able to throw since that day, so... I'm so not smart. I was hoping there's some sort of dove bird carrying you off pecking situations. <laughs> I'm sorry for your shoulder, but... Why would you take on a hawk? Yeah. <laughs> he was terrorizing these adorable doves. I'm trying... I'm thinking of the children. 
So well, he, somebody please think of the children. He's the hero in this story. He's the hero. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. Oh, man. Were you listening to the same story no, I was? No, I'm just trying to help him out. <laughs> that sucks that you hurt your shoulder just trying to throw a rock. Ah, getting old sucks. Sarah McCarthy, what about you? Your weird injury. <laughs> My weird injury. Well, if you remember Heelys from back in the day, the shoes with wheels. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I only wore them once and that was it because I went out on the street. I was probably in like grade five, six. I feel like that's like your adventurous age trying trying stuff in the world. And I was healing down my street and it was spring, but they hadn't cleaned the streets yet. So there was rocks everywhere. Mm. So I fell and hit my chin. Did not mm. need 75 stitches, but I did need stitches. But I do, I get back to the house. I didn't go very far, but my dad's outside raking and he's like, oh, you're fine. You're bleeding a little bit. Go inside, clean it up. And my mom's like, oh my gosh, Sarah, I can see the bone. Oh, we okay. need to go to the hospital. <laughs> so that's the difference between moms and dads, clearly. Just put some dirt in it, you know? Those yeah. shoes, those Healy <laughs> shoes are neat though. I, I was, how does that work? Like I, I when I, you see kids walking and then suddenly they're rolling, yeah. like how does that work? I don't know. I never wore them again. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Loren, what about you? Well, this is just, you know, when you talk about dumb injuries, I just, this just triggered me. It was triggering your comment, Derek, because I'm a redhead. I've been a redhead since birth. It's not like it's new to me. I'm very pale. It's not like that's new to me. It's not like I didn't know I get sunburned or any of those things, but I tried for a good 27, 8, 28 years to get a tan. Oh, and when no. I, which is just stupid. And both my sister and I, she have that same sort of Celtic skin. She's not a redhead, but we were in Thailand together. And we sat out in the sun on this island for like nine hours, just having cocktails oh, and no. reading and what have you, and burnt ourselves so bad that our skin bubbled and blistered, <gasps> like all of us. It was Ouch. awful. And then, and then we spent all this money to get to Thailand and, and the, we put the beach at the end of the vacation so we could do the last week, like just relaxing. And we are in a hotel room, a lousy, because we didn't have any money. You know, we spent four bucks or something, literally, for this hotel room. And we had to strip off all our clothes, climb into each separate beds, and just lay there, like crying and talking to each other. Are you okay? For how long? <laughs> for two days. Oh, my word. And we actually changed, paid extra money for the AC so we could crank it and just lay there and be like, your, your blisters are now watering. Your skin is peeling. And oh. we just stared sad face at each other. Oh, and then that's no. when I decided. That was 26, 27 years old. You know what? Loren. Not meant to be. Not meant to well, tan. And then you're stuck to the sheets. You try oh, to roll awful. over. The whole oh. thing, you couldn't move. <laughs> the shroud could, of you Turin. You couldn't shower. You had to shower. You get into the shower and you're like, oh, 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 oh. Like the whole thing was just oh, idiot. Dumb. Brutal. Way dumber than trying to be a hero with a falcon. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Mackling, what about you? Okay, well, when I, was, when I was younger, between the ages of five and seven, I was in the hospital no less than four different times. One was an illness, and I was in the hospital for a month with an issue with my bladder. But uh, then I subsequently very quickly had a swing set fall on my head. I needed plastic surgery for that because my mom said... Uh, that Sarah, that she could see my brains when <laughs> I went to the door. Mom, yep. swing set fell on my head. Um... I then fell off a, a, a trailer, a travel trailer, like a camper trailer, and you know the little clippy thing that 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 makes sure that the that the hitch is locked to yes. the thing that went into the back of my head. <gasps> my God. And then to wind things up, I got my wrist stuck in an escalator in the handle, the rubber handle <gasps> of the escalator in the basement at Eaton's at Polo Park at the time, and was in the hospital for about two and a half weeks for that. Had multiple surgeries on that, so all dumb. Oh my Within God. the span of how many? Like 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 thirty six, forty months. How do you get your your wrist stuck in the escalator? That like, <laughs> well, I'm just so confused. I'll I'll I'll, I'll bring the uh, the uh, lawsuit paperwork in for you. Oh. Uh, the wall was a, built a little bit too close to the handle of of the of the escalator I was standing just watching oh. people come down the escalator or go up I don't remember which direction and my wrist simply got wedged between the wall and the handle and okay. rubbed it okay, yeah that makes sense yeah yeah so severe Ouch. burn so oh my god if you ever see me at the mall and I come and I tell your kids not to play on an escalator that's why. I show them my scar from 49 years later. I'm surprised you don't just tell all children not to play period. <laughs> Thank you.
We've talked an awful lot over the past couple of years about a shortage of skilled workers in this country. And key to filling all the gaps in the workforce is immigration. Here's the quote from Ottawa's economic statement. Immigration is core to our identity as Canadians, while also being a key driver of Canada's economic growth. End quote. With that, there's a push from the federal government to bring more than 1.45 million new permanent residents to Canada by 2026. As we continue our Future of Work series, CKNW producer Layla Kadir lays out some of the challenges of that plan, particularly for racialized women. The number of racialized immigrant women in Canada has increased over recent decades. Well, Canada is coming off a record-breaking year for the number of newcomers to this country. And there is no sign of immigration slowing down. Look, folks, uh, it's simple to me. Canada needs more people. Canadians understand the need to continue to grow our population if we're going to meet the needs of the labour force. But their employment numbers lag. Even when women immigrants are employed, they're more likely to be underemployed, part-time, and poorly compensated. In addition, last year, the IRCC Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship Canada reported that racialized newcomer women are overrepresented in low-wage sectors, such as accommodation, food services, and hospitality. So, of course, there's that struggle to find work. There's the struggle to make a meaningful life for their families. And if you think about it, many of newcomers might be new parents as well. And so helping women is the goal of our next guest. She's a former settlement worker and current director of what's known as the Hippie Program here in Winnipeg, which basically helps new moms uh, adjust to life in Canada. We welcome to the start Reem Abdul-Kader. Good morning, Reem. Good morning. Walk us through what you hear from the people that you work with and, and help transition into life in Manitoba. Actually, some of the challenges that newcomer families facing coming to Canada is the employment. Um, there is the language barrier and uh, for sure, like uh, the difficulties in finding childcare for their children. They come like big families, uh, newcomer mothers. So they find so much challenges in like, you know, getting uh, employed and getting their first, you know, job opportunity in Canada. So this is some of the things that parents are communicating to our hippie home visitors. Well, hippie, uh, what, first of all, what does that stand for, Reem? Absolutely, absolutely. So hippie stands for Home Instruction for Parents of Preschool Youngsters. Uh, it's evidence-based program that, work, that works with families in the home to support parents, primarily mothers, in their critical role as, the, the, as they are the first and the most important teacher for their children. So basically, hippie programs strengthen families and communities by empowering mothers to prepare their children to for success in school. So there's like sort of a two-fold approach there, and that's and that's helping the moms, but also with that with that hope that that kids will have a, a better shot at success in school here in Canada. Is that fair to say? Absolutely, absolutely. And the program has three layers. So we have the layers like the first layer is the home visitors who are former like mothers from the community, speak the same language for the mother. They share the same background uh, most of the time. And they understand the barriers and they understand the background of the mother. And then we have the mother. uh, So it's peer-to-peer approach. And also we have the children. uh, So the home visitor visits the mom and uh, deliver a curriculum to the the mom and, uh, and prepare her for, for uh, and the child for school readiness. It's helpful to the child, but how does that work in terms of helping the mom at the end of the day, in terms of the confidence it might bring? I mean, when you talk about the challenges of coming to a new country and maybe the language, first of all, and then navigating the school system and understanding, you know, just the different um, social situations we have going on in Canada compared to where someone might have come from. Like, how does that work for the mom? Absolutely. So basically the hippie program, as I mentioned, the home visitors, uh, we employ mothers in the program. So the hippie home visitors are mother often um, uh, graduated from the program as a home visitor, then works with the newcomer refugee indigenous mothers in their uh, important role as the first teacher. So what we do in the hippie program, and we have like uh, 39 sites across Canada from coast to coast, uh, we pair the home visitor with the mother 
and what which that develop their skills and gain confidence and self-esteem. Also, we provide like professional development for the home visitors uh, through different like organization. Now we are working with Red River uh, College to give micro credentials to the home visitors who are also mothers. And that will help them like for uh, another employment because the program is three years training program. So like they work and they get training at the same time. And that helps the home visitors to uh, to find another employment when they complete the program. Then we start to recruit from the pool of the mother. Uh, so uh, they are the next home visitors. Reem, we have to get out, but where can we go for more information on the hippie program? Absolutely. You can visit our website, mothersmattercenter.ca, where you can uh, find information about the hippie program and all our other innovations, because also we have other programs that support mothers uh, to to gain employment and gain like uh, professional development so they can, you know, help them in their career. Mothersmattercenter.ca. Reem, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate the time. You are so welcome. Thank you. Reem Abdul-Kader joining us live on 680 CJOB from the Hippie Program, a program designed to help new moms. It is Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. Today we're talking about weird injuries. Dumb injuries. How did you hurt yourself in a strange way? Did we have one here related to a moth? I wanted to put it in because it is making me think of summer and camping with this gloomy forecast. And so one day I was camping out in the white shell and somehow at night a moth flew deep into my ear. (laughs) It was the loudest, most painful noise I've ever heard as the moth was trying to fly out of my ear. My girlfriend rushed me to Pinawa Hospital where they surgically removed the moth. Oh my gosh. Then he adds, go Jets, go. <laughs> so, wow. You know, the, I can't believe that. I have, you know, you get bugs in your ear and yep. stuff. And you, and now I'm wondering, did they ever get out? Yeah, my, my, my mom always told a story about a, a similar situation of a moth getting in her ear. When really? When she was younger, yeah. Pretty scary stuff. Because of course, that's where they want. They like the dark. They yeah. sort of like to burrow in there. And ooh, yikes. I wonder if other people have stories like that. Oh, this is making me think of just what's what's in my ear canal. <laughs> well, it's yeah. like the whole, uh, what's that urban legend about how many spiders you swallow every year? Oh, yeah. <laughs> is it eight? Supposedly the magic number of how many spiders uh, find their way into your digestive system while you're sleeping at night. Mouth a gap. I'd also be curious Deep. to know what kind of surgery was involved. Like, It's not like they, you can just go to the bathroom and grab a plunger. And and say, okay, here, just plunge that moth out of my head. Maybe they just get a torch, like a moth to a flame, and it's just a bright flame. And the moth's like, wait a minute. It just comes out? That flame's looking pretty sweet. (laughs) My goodness. Any more details of this moth story, person? Thank you so much for sharing that story. (laughs) We're going to pick a winner for the Winnipeg Whiteout Street Party tickets for Saturday's game at 9.15. Your weird injuries for a chance to win. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We're talking Jets in a moment. Big win last night for Winnipeg. More of your crazy injury stories in a moment. But before that, at 8.05, Loren, we are going to be talking to the union because the picket lines, they got started early, like 6.30 this morning. Oh, they were out early, and they're at a number of locations, and our listeners are telling us where you're seeing them. And so in case you're wondering, again, this is what's being touted as what could be the largest strike in Canadian history, 150,000 federal workers off the job. That's 9,000 of them here in Winnipeg. So those picket lines are big. The one on, is it Reindeer's? Yep. That's well, that's the Canada Revenue Agency location. Uh, Kevin texted to say he sees about 500 people on that picket line. We've got more at 360 Main and, of course, at Union Station. So we'll get into what's the beef, what's going on, and who, beyond just the tax people, what do these workers do? Because I have questions about what this could mean for everything from passports and more. Yeah, one of our listeners asking, could it impact things at the border? We'll endeavor to get those answers for you in half an hour or so. And in the meantime, what's a weird injury mm. you have sustained? What does Dan say? When I was in grade eight, we were going out to play quote unquote touch football and phys ed. The rules from our teacher were don't kill anybody. Well, <laughs> boys will be boys and things uh, were a little rough. I made a catch by the goalpost, but saw my friend coming at me with a grin. Yep. I woke up with the ball. So in my arms, but having been tackled into the goalpost, separated my hip. Uh. 
Fast forward 37 years and two hip surgeries later, this June 24th, getting that hip replaced. And I know exactly the goalpost, at least one of the two goalposts Dan's talking about, because Dan's uh, also uh, alma mater of, uh, or a graduate of Isaac Brock School. Oh, yeah. So known Dan since he was a little kid. Oh, man. Dan, sorry to hear that. Glad you hear you're finally getting that hip replaced. Your weird injury stories for a chance to win tickets for the Winnipeg Whiteout Street Party on Saturday. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. And that's a four-pack of tickets, by the way. And we've got more tickets to give away on Connecting Winnipeg with Hal Anderson on the Jim Toth Show and on the news with Richard and Julie. If you went to bed early and you're just wiping the sleep from your eyes, we can tell you that the Winnipeg Jets took care of business in Las Vegas last night with an impressive 5-1 victory over the Golden Knights in Game 1 of their Western Conference quarterfinal best-of-seven series. I was at work this morning and thinking, if it had been the other way, we would have heard Greg come in. And instead, Greg, you walked in the newsroom and did what? Woo! An extended period of time, scared a couple of our younger reporters, and uh, yeah, it was more of the same for the Jets as they continued their improved play from the final two weeks of the regular season. They got two goals from Adam Lowry, one goal each from Blake Wheeler, Kyle Connor, and PLD Pierre-Luc Dubois, Greg. Wheeler added two assists, and Dubois also had a beauty setup pass on the Jets' first goal. Hockey insider and integral member of our Jets coverage team, John Shannon, joins us now on, I'm I'm guessing is less sleep than you'd like, John. Oh, this is the Stanley Cup playoffs. You don't care about that. <laughs> you can sleep in. You can sleep in June. The Morgan Baron of broadcasters, John <laughs> Shannon. By the, way, by, by the way, by the way, no one early last night. Not one person in Winnipeg went to bed early. I they did. Stuck with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, Brett! I had to. I had to. Somebody had to be here for sure and be on the ball for sure. And so uh, Brett made the sacrifice. So John, there are lots of places we could start this discussion, but but can we begin with Pierre Luc Dubois? Cl- cliche alert here on a night where the Jets' best players were their best players. I thought Dubois was the most impactful player in a white jersey. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I think that that was the best second period that he has played as a Winnipeg Jet. Uh, and Because it's not just about goals. It's about impact on the ice in all three zones. It's about the face-off circle. It's about energy. He was the player that was drafted third overall in the NHL draft. He was the guy that Kevin Sheveldoff traded for this was this was the prototypical power forward and this is what everybody has been waiting for in winnipeg when they say well if dubois plays like he did in columbus in that playoff series well he did last night and he carried it through and he i I, at a at a time in the second period he just said to his teammates jump on my back boys here we go what do you think PLD said to Laurent Bassois after uh, his ultimate game-winning goal there john I, i would love to know how about three o'clock at PF Chang's? I, I think that that was probably something uh, you know, having a little bit of a dinner date today. Um, but hey, that's that's the fantastic part about playoffs that we don't see much trash talking in the National Hockey League compared to other sports. And this is the time you can do it, and if it, it, it works better if you can back it up. So from that perspective, it was at the the right thing at the right time, and uh, we'll. We'll see who has the last laugh. So let's talk about Boisoff for a second because the shots were 31-17 overall in favor of the Jets. Hellebach was fantastic as usual. Um, there were some big saves early for the Knights, but Greg was saying this morning he really thought he struggled overall. What's your thoughts? I don't think you could blame him for the game. You, you know, this, this, was, this was lost at the other end of the ice by the Golden Knights. The Winnipeg Jets did a magnificent job of making sure that Connor Hallebuck had a free zone in front of him all night long. Look at where the shots came from, Lauren. They, they were, for the Golden Knights, they were from the outside. There weren't very many goalmouth scrambles. Uh, Laurent Boissois, you know, he was fine. He, he, he played the way he played down the stretch when he played seven of ten games to end the regular season. This was Jack Eichel not playing well. This was Mark Stone being rusty. This was Marcia Soul and Riley Smith not getting great scoring opportunities. And this was a Vegas defense 
that is just as active as the Winnipeg defense in the offensive zone being having absolutely no impact on the outcome of the game. Talk about goal mouth scrambles. Impossible to discuss last night's game without highlighting how lucky Jets forward Morgan Barron was when the skate of Brossois cut him for what Sportsnet's Sean Reynolds is reporting with 75 stitches. Here is the Jets forward after the game. It's actually not bad. It, uh, they did a great job stitching me up, and obviously it missed my eye, so it didn't get me in a really bad spot, but they did a great job fixing me up. The moment that it happened, uh, what went through your mind? Okay. <laughs> trying to figure out if the puck went in because it's sitting pretty close and then uh, obviously I kind of saw the skate coming and unlucky play I think a little bit unfortunate but the first thought was that I could just see out of the eye so that was the main thing. So Baron wore a cage the rest of the night. Just how lucky was he, John? Oh, when you think about uh, how costly it could have been in and around the eye, you know, there was a time when I was a child that players didn't wear helmets nor visors. Uh, and, you know, the, the rules that have been put in place to protect players from this very type of thing, I shudder to think what would have happened if he wasn't wearing a visor. But goalie skates are, you know, they're sharp. They're very sharp. And you, you get that idea when you see what happened to, uh, to Morgan. And, and, and you know what? As Blake Wheeler said after the game, you knew he was coming back. Any question about it. He could still walk. He could still talk. He could still see. He's, he was going to contribute to his first Stanley Cup playoff game. And that wasn't a key factor. It was, and it was an emotional factor, I'm sure, for the Jets. John, we'll let you go after this one here, but I got to ask you about a player that seems to genuinely be coming coming into his own, and that's defenseman Dylan Sandberg. For a guy playing in his first NHL playoff game, I thought he was rock steady last night. He made uh, one incredible diving play to to break up what could have been a scoring chance for Vegas. What's your take on Sandberg overall, and and am I overhyping him here? I don't think you are when you consider, Greg, that he played probably three to three and a half minutes more than he's played in most games this season. You know, this is a confidence that uh, this coaching staff has, has shown Sandberg since opening night and the amount of times he played for the club this season. You know, there was a question mark of who was going to be that sixth defenseman when this season started. Well, there's no question now because he's, he's played that role. He has the size. He's playing smart and conservative, which is what you're supposed to do for a defenseman, a defensive defenseman in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, and in my mind, as much as it was the big guns doing their job, and as, as Lauren said, you know, scoring goals, big names scoring goals, this was won by the defense. I think all six defensemen played such a, a standout defensive game and were still active on the offensive side of the puck that when you look back at the success of the Jets, it was their six defensemen beating the Golden Knights' six defensemen. Well, there are lucky wins in sport. Last night was not that. That was the Winnipeg Jets playing exactly the way they need to play. John Shannon, we appreciate you as always. We look forward to your analysis uh, throughout the playoffs. Hope you're wearing white this morning. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. More on the strike in a moment. A reminder that we have tickets to give away for Saturday's Winnipeg Whiteout Street Party. We have a four-pack of tickets to give away. We're asking you about the weird injuries that you've sustained after Morgan Barron last night in the hockey game took a skate to the face Somehow, underneath his visor, just bizarre, 75 stitches. And what does uh, Wendy have to say? The night before grade nine, friends and I were walking through a soccer field and decided to have chicken fights on the soccer poles, (laughs) not realizing there are pins up there for the net. I caught my finger on one. I ripped it open. And the police had to rush me to the hospital where I received 12 stitches inside my finger and 33 stitches outside. Just about lost that, baby. Never been the same, though. A little messed up. Thank you, Wendy. Appreciate that. We were all grimacing 
when we shared that story with one another. Ouch, 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 ouch. We're going to pick a winner at 9.15. Keep sending us your stories at 204-780-6868. If you're driving downtown this morning, you have likely passed several picket lines. So on Main Street alone, they're outside the Passport Office, the Grain Commission building near the train station, and of course, out off Regent, there are hundreds walking the line at the main Winnipeg office for the Canada Revenue Agency. This is all because 155,000 Federal workers have gone on strike, 9,000 here in Manitoba. Marianne Tladun is the Regional Executive Vice President with the Public Service Agency of Canada. This is the union representing PSAC employees in this province. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So before we get to the sticking points of contract talks, there's a lot of focus that's been on the tax workers, but where else would we find your members? You know, for example, someone mentioned there's a lineup outside Stony Mountain Penitentiary to get in, and I was wondering if the workers are there. So can you walk me through where we would find PSAC employees? Uh, You know what? You can find PSAC members in pretty much any federal government service that Canadians access. So correctional services, passports, heritage, um, uh, all of the Service Canada, the pension centres, um, all of the agriculture units, uh, Department of Defense. And we're primarily the members that, you know, we're not the bureaucrats, we're not the executives, um, we're the cleaners, we're the plumbers, we're the clerks, we're the mailroom people. Um, you know, we're the ones that you really need to be able to deliver these services. So, Marianne, what are the key sticking points here? Obviously, the economy has changed immensely uh, since the pandemic and, you know, wage pressure, inflationary pressures. All of us are seeing that. What are your members looking for right now to settle this? Well, you know, we've kind of got four priorities at this point that we've had from day one. Keep in mind, day one was 2021 when our contract expired. We've been at this for over, you know, almost two years now. Um, Of course, fair wages that meet the cost of living is uh, a top priority. And, And, you know, just so folks know... Our actual bargaining demand, it was tabled last year, was 4.5 per year for three years. So, you know, that was not unreasonable and inflation went up. Uh, So we're looking at a fair wage increase. Um, Of course, for us also, job security is a huge thing with contracting out um, and protections. I know there's a perception we have the ultimate job security. We don't. Um, maybe executives and management, but not us. Um, and of course, uh, the other issue that is super important right now is remote work. The ability to work from home if your job allows for it. We're not asking for, you know, if your job can't be done from home, obviously it can't be done from home. You're a cleaner, you got to be there. You're a plumber, you got to be there. Um, so we're just saying for those that have been able to deliver the services and do their job from home, including CERB, which is like the first national, you know, social safety net program we've delivered in a generation, was all done from home. Um, so we're just saying if workers want to do remote work, let them. Do not unreasonably deny it. Um, Marianne, how big of a sticking point is that working from home in the whole negotiation? Because if you had negotiated this contract two years ago, we wouldn't even be talking about this. It would have been likely just about money and security. So is remote work really high on the list for a a huge chunk of your members? Like how many are actually already working at home or have been working at home for the past two years? You know, it's it's a significant majority, um, and it kind of depends on, on a variety of departments. So all of the call centers, you know, the Service Canada call center, the pension center, um, they've all been working from home, right? Because they're on the phone all day. They're not interacting publicly with anyone. Uh, the Canada Revenue Agency, all of their call center, uh, which is huge, I mean, they've all been working from home. Um, so in those departments, it is like the ultimate priority. Obviously, for some of our other members, like labor and trades, where they are significantly underpaid according to local labor markets, um, you know, for them, wage adjustments is a, is a critically important, you know. So remote work is huge. Did it come up through the pandemic? Yes. But the reality is all workplaces across this country have changed. Marianne, we're going to jump in because we're going to run out of time here. And there's a question that we really wanted to get in with regard to border services. You mentioned the fact that not necessarily everyone working in a particular department is a PSAC member. 
could mm-hmm. could this impact uh, crossing uh, the international boundary for folks? So right now, the Border Services officers at the port of entry are not on strike. Uh, they are in negotiations, but they are not in a legal strike position. However, the administrative support for Canada Border uh Canadian Border Services Agency are on strike. And what about passport uh, so, office? Sorry, Marianne, because that was a yeah. big sticking point, you know, for the last year. So if yeah. I applied for a passport, is anyone processing that today? Um, well, we do have uh, some members are designated as essential. Um, they are doing the duties that are deemed to be essential for the health and safety of Canadians and the rest of the people are out. Uh, so there could be delays, and, um, you know, we apologize, but um, uh, had the government come with fair offer two and a half weeks ago, two years ago, we would not be in this situation. Marianne, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. We appreciate the time. Not a problem. Thank you. Marianne Ladoon is Regional Executive Vice President for the Prairies for the Public Service Alliance of Canada, a.k.a. PSAC. So once again, if you are out and about and you see or hear... Picket lines abound outside the tax center in region uh, near Regent, just off Stapon and Reinders. We've got picket lines in various spots downtown. So watch out for those. Right now, we want to ask you a question. Have you been to the movies lately? The opera? Symphony? A play? I was sharing earlier, I did the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra with the Harry Potter movie with one of my kids a few weeks ago. It was incredible. Oh, cool. We we had plans. It was really great. I've been meaning to do that for years. It was a packed house. Uh, We have plans to get to a play later this summer. But, you know, I know there are people who have scaled back spending in a wide variety of ways and, and... we wouldn't be alone. And I don't know if that's the same in your house, but there's talk of where can you pinch the pennies, Greg? Oh, absolutely. It's a part of our conversation every single day. Mostly it's towards food. Uh, and we forewent the idea of going to any of these uh, first two Jets playoff games, even though we tried to get tickets in retrospect, it was probably just as well that we were unable to secure four tickets together because it wouldn't have been a cash purchase, let's put it that way. That's right, you'd be on a lot of credit. And so, yes, those games sold out, but it was just one week ago the Winnipeg Jets released its campaign to try to get more season ticket holders. Their magic number is they need another 3,000 tickets to be sold, and we were wondering about other entertainment options out there. Camilla Holland is the Executive Director of the Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre. Good morning, Camilla. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, thanks for taking the time and doing what you do in the community, because uh, regardless of the challenges of, you know, finances, it's important to have all these cultural options. And I'm curious what attendance has been like this year. Absolutely. So we follow the patterns that, of course, many of our colleagues do in the live entertainment arts. So we've been talking to the Jets and the ballet and the symphony and the opera and, of course, also the many other live events. And what we've seen this year is a bit slower return than we wanted. We had a really great summer last year. If everybody remembers this spectacular folk fest, Folklorama had wonderful numbers. You know, it felt like we were really back to normal. Um, And I think that people have been a bit more hesitant as the fall came in and people went back to school. But what we're seeing now is a kind of new trend, and I think it's exemplified by the fact that those 5,000 whiteout tickets went so fast for the street party. People want to be together. People want to be celebrating and in community together. And that's a really great thing as we head into the 23 and 24 seasons. So what are you hearing from those that are stepping up and that continue to to support your outstanding product? Is, Is it a choice between you and somebody else? Is there a hesitancy to commit for uh, maybe if you had four season tickets, perhaps you've, you've cut back to two? What, what are your customers saying, Camille? Yeah, I think we're seeing a bit of that reticence, and we're also seeing a bit of the smaller packages. But what I'm, what we're also seeing is people are really committed to coming back to the arts, and they're picking and choosing a bit more. And I think that's healthy, too. You know, you, you want to make sure that not just the one restaurant that you love survives, but that the community of restaurants survives. So I think it's actually a, a heartening thing that Winnipeggers are doing. And it's made possible by people who have, 
who are volunteering, who are committing bus ticket buyers, who are donating. I mean, ultimately, I think that we we want we all want full houses. The Jets wants it. The, we all want it. Um, but you know, on the on the journey back to that, we want to make sure that um, that people understand that we are still making accessible ticket prices available. We are still um, finding ways to make sure that community members can come. But I think you know, you were talking before this about people pinching, and I think that's 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 real. And so when people have less discretionary funding, they make they make very different purchase decisions, and we're seeing a little bit of that reflected as well. For those who, who might be wondering, I wanted to get your take on this. Why should we, why do we need to support and make sure that the arts stick around? Well, I mean, I think you, the thing we need to remember about Winnipeg is that the the citizens of Winnipeg in the last century decided that, that um if we didn't build these cultural institutions, they wouldn't tour here, right? And so that's why we have the city's, the, the country's oldest civic art gallery in the WAG. We have the one of the oldest ballet companies, one of the oldest symphonies, the oldest theater center, um, the oldest French theater, Cirque Moliere over in St. Boniface is celebrating 100 years in 2025. Now, these these cultural assets were built because people recognize that you want a, a community that is healthy, and that includes access to the performing arts and to the and to the visual arts, our galleries, our symphonies, our, our, our museums. And so that's a way for people to build citizenship, to, to understand the perspectives of others and to widen their hearts. And I think we see that all the time. And, and from those came this incredible cultural community, right? 85 years of the Royal Winnipeg Ballet has contributed to all the dance schools that we know of and all of the kids who learn to dance at an early age. And that's part of our community as well. It's why Folklorama is so robust. It's why Festival is so robust, the music community. These all things sprung up because we're 16 hours from the nearest Canadian city and we need to, we need to dig into the winter months and enjoy being together. And the arts is a great way to do that. I want to get you to give us a sales pitch for some of the shows you've got coming up this fall. I see the sound of music on there, so I'm excited about that. But we'll we'll uh, we'll get to that in a second. I'm just curious about you know when you talk about things being a bit soft at the start of the fall, and you're hoping to see that resurgence, Camilla. How would it compare to previous years? I know it's hard to compare to the COVID years when there was little going on. Yeah, what nothing are, going on. Right. right. What do we? T- we, we we, you know, we're, we we hoped we would be at about 85% of our pre-pandemic. We're sitting about 75% of our pre-pandemic overall. Now, what we're seeing sales-wise into next year, and we went out with our subscription sales really early. We went, we went out in, in late, late January when we announced next season. And what we're seeing is, is, is stronger trends. We're seeing people who are looking at the lineup and saying, yeah, I am going to come back. I do want to make sure that I catch that show. And, and we believe the best way to make sure you don't miss something is, is, is the subscription promise. But we're also seeing a lot of great ticket sales for wonderful work. We just closed The Secret to Good Tea on our main stage, and it reached a whole new audience that we had never reached before before and that was really inspiring and beautiful so there's lots of you know as, as spring comes back and the light comes back and we might see a crocus or two in the next month you know there's 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 a bit of hope in the in the energy and of course we've got the fringe festival coming up this summer and we really hope that's going to be a, a, a wonderful celebration for the whole community to get back and see plays and, and gather together camilla holland is executive director of the royal manitoba theater center and we invited you here this morning camilla to talk about royal mtc Yet here you are talking about all these different arts groups and and there seems to be, uh, um, you know, a camaraderie within the arts community. And I think that's really heartening. Talk about the, the idea that you have mentioned at least six or seven different arts groups in this conversation that was intended to be about your group. Well, listen, we, we know the, 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 the rising water lifts all boats, right? So here's the thing, the, you know, for... If you don't want to come to, to see a show at MTC, I completely understand, but I do encourage you to go and see something in your community, another play, an opera, a ballet, a symphony, a, a contemporary dance piece, go to a gallery. The arts is a really incredible success story about Winnipeg, how we've been able to create um, really empathetic and really understanding citizens. And I think that's because we've always prioritized these institutions and the many smaller organizations that have grown up in the, sh- in the shade of these big, big trees. So I think, you know, 
there's an incredible amount of spring activity happening. We've got a wonderful show opening next week called Burning Mom. The ballet is back with Peter Pan. The opera is back um, with Cosi Van Tutti. You know, the symphony has a wonderful spring lineup. These are these are important assets in your community, and they don't work unless there's an audience. We're live performing arts, right? This is the difference between watching a Jets game on your phone, standing at the, uh, the, the terminal waiting for your luggage, like I watched a guy do yesterday at the airport, and watching a Jets game in person. It's a big difference. So live is important. The city has always celebrated it, and we really encourage people to get back, get out, and see more live events. It's going gonna, it's gonna to put a smile on your face. It's going to put a spring in your step, and it's going to help a really worthy institution in your community. Well, Camilla, for those interested in investigating uh, coming to see the Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre, how do they do that? Well, you can certainly drop by our wonderful buildings downtown, but you can also, of course, find us at royalmtc.ca. And we do have an extraordinary lineup next year. It starts with Clue, the the board game turned movie, turned cult classic, turned now into a play. We do have The Sound of Music, which is, you know, the the, the entry point for so many of us to, to love and understand um, that's that power of music. Um, and then we have a fantastic musical featuring the work of Carol King in Beautiful in January. So it's a really strong lineup start, and it continues through the rest of the season. We'd love to see you all there. Camilla Holland is the executive director of the Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre. And Camilla, I often joke that I, am, I consider myself to be an uncultured lout, but it is organizations and institutions like yours that are helping me uh, you know, be less of a lout. So we thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us this morning. All the very best. It is 846 with Mackling McGarry and McNabb. And we've talked about this a whole bunch of times, Greg. They, when we got to see Come From Away at the Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre, one of the best experiences of, I think, both of our lives. Absolutely life-changing. I had been going to live theatre since I was a little kid, but that was just so powerful. It was so wonderful. And, uh, you know... Smiles all around here at Camilla talking about the smiles on the faces. I wish we had video right now because Loren McNabb is broken into the sound of music. Full on arms waving. Don't She's rain me, <laughs> me so so ray fa fa la ti ti. We gotta get you a guest appearance. Forget the national anthem. When can I sing at the sound of music? That should have been the follow-up. Come on, McNabb, think. Traffic and weather, the forecast will not have you singing next on the start. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We're asking you about your weird injuries. We have Winnipeg Whiteout Street Party tickets to give away for Saturday's game. And this is inspired by what happened in the hockey game last night with, uh, what was the player's name? It escapes me, Greg. That's okay. Morgan Barron, who uh, you know, came over in the trade for Andrew Kopp from the New York Rangers last year and has really become a, a solid contributor to the Jets. And... Yeah, he was in a scramble situation. The puck was loose in the net in front of the Vegas Golden Knights net. There were multiple players down on the ground, including Barron, who ended up with uh, goaltender Laurent Boissois' skate, cutting him for 75 stitches. Somehow, Boissois' skate got in between his visor and his face, and uh, Barron returned to the game. 
Yeah, and played very well. Thank you very much. So we are getting some unbelievable stories this morning, and we thank you for that. And just some of them, are, we, have, we can't even keep up. We're doing our best to get through them. I can't read some of them. They have me cringing so I know. much. You just mentioned someone who had stitches in their eyeball. Stop. That was Stop. One of their injury stories. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And then people, the people who are sending photos. Like, I appreciate that. We always say, you know, <laughs> illustration. Tell us, tell us a story, but the photos I could have done without. <laughs> Uh, so Carrie G, one of our runners up, says back in my late teens, I was playing hockey. My coach decided to put me in the center. And upon trying to take the face off, I got tripped up and a rather large guy came down on my back. But when my hands hit the ice, I broke both of my thumbs, which pretty much ended the year for me. But the worst part was for six weeks of having two casts. If you've ever tried going to the bathroom with two casts, that's quite a challenge. What does that look like? Could you do a lot of those this guy jokes because your (laughs) thumbs are like in a permanent cast? (laughs) Maybe. I guess so. When you said what does that look like, the idea of never going to the bathroom without, yeah. Mackling Larry Mm. with with a simple one, another one involving the eye. Stabbed myself in the eye with a butter knife opening the basement door when I was 14. The eye went completely blood red and I was the coolest thing at school. 52 now, bit smarter. Jeez, but Tracy is our winner, Loren. This is just super cool for so many reasons. So Tracy says, my story of an injury is quite fitting. I was 14 years old and she said it's fitting for this contest given how it started. 14 years old, taken to a Jets game with my little brother. Long story short, I was hit in the face with a puck off a reflection from Dave Babbage. Say the last name for me, Greg. Dave Babbage. I always want to say Babbage, like cabbage, and I don't know why. Dave Babbage's (laughs) stick. It happened so fast that my adult neighbors who were... We were with, didn't know, and my little brother had the puck fall down in front of him. He reached down, picked it up, was so proud. When the people behind us saw me got, get hit, they alerted the adults. I was knocked out cold, so I don't remember a lot until I got to the Jets dressing room and the hockey doctor had to stitch me up. And you know how they stitched hockey players. Yes, they would have been like just not even frozen back then. Do you think? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. So my neighbor had to get smelling salts because she was passing out when she watched him stitch me. Oh, (laughs) gosh. I'm guessing yes. The best part of this was Ed Stanowski was the goalie at the time, and he sat with me in the dressing room for a little bit. He was kind and sweet. I was taken to the hospital and had emergency plastic surgery done. Wow. I feel very lucky that I didn't lose any teeth, and unless I tell the story now, nobody would know. So Ed Stanowski had no problem with that, but Dave Babich was a problem? Oh, the pronunciation? I don't know why. It's one of those things that was coming up to me. I was like, oh, shoot, this isn't Babbage, is it? And I've met him before. I've shaken his hand. I think yeah, I got great, pictures great, with him. Great mustache. A. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Ed Stanowski and Doug Sotart, they were the goalies of the very early 1980s. So I'm going to guess this incident was 1982 or 1983. I'm surprised wow. you don't have the date and that you didn't, oh, I don't weren't know. working I didn't as the see stitcher it. for the I Jets. I did not see it. <laughs> Tracy, congratulations. You win the Whiteout Street Party tickets. We have a weather tip from one of our listeners. Whiteout conditions around Morden and Winkler. So watch out for that. We had six inches up in the Gimli, Traverse Bay area, in Gimli and as well as in Traverse Bay. So lots of snow out there. And there is indeed a winter storm warning in effect, snowfall warnings in effect for most of southern, uh, southwestern Manitoba. For Winnipeg and south-central and southeastern Manitoba, we have a special weather statement in effect. So cloudy in Winnipeg today, good chance of flurries, east wind gusting to 60 kilometers an hour, temperature steady around 2. Tonight, cloudy, still a good chance of flurries, windy, a low of 0. Tomorrow, cloudy with rain mixed with snow starting in the morning. Northeast wind up to 50 with a high of 2, and Friday periods of snow with a high of 1. It is 2 degrees outside 680 CJOB. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Coming up in our next segment, we're going to hear from Hal Anderson, the host of Connecting Winnipeg, to find out what he's got coming up for you starting just after Global News at 10 o'clock. But right now, we've got picket lines up at hundreds of locations across the country in what could be the largest strike in Canadian history. You probably know the numbers by now, but it's 155,000 federal workers with the Public Service Alliance of Canada, 9,000 of them on strike in Winnipeg. Clay Young, standing by where some of those picketers are. Where are you, Clay? What what are you seeing? Clay, are you there? Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me? 
We can. Where are you? Okay. Um, I'm right here at Portage in Maine. It's uh, the uh, it's not called the windiest corner in Canada for 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 no reason or reason, and it's a little cold. And uh, I have a guest with me now. Can uh, you tell us uh, tell us at home uh, who you are? Uh, my name is Tracy Finston. I'm the treasurer with uh, the Union of Taxation Employees, Local 50021, here at 368. You got hundreds of people uh, walking the picket line uh, this morning with you, Tracy. Tell us, uh, in a nutshell, what are the issues here? Primarily, uh, we are looking for fair wages to keep up with the rate of inflation that has been very high the last few years. And we are looking for a better work-life balance, uh, the ability to work remotely, if we so choose. Yeah, the announcement of a strike came last night. How did you feel when you heard you were going to be on the picket line? Well, I'm excited to support my union and support the causes that that we're... the, the fair contract we are seeking you ever been on strike before yes back in 2004 mind you also with the canada revenue agency well spirits uh you know as i look at the people walking the picket line uh uh they seem quite high how how long are you prepared to be out here as long as we have to to get a fair contract all right so the people at at home listening in the car or listening in, uh, you know, at home on the radio or online or whatever, how are they going to be the average Canadian, the average Manitoba, the average Winnipegger? How are they going to be affected by this? Well, uh, if, if the strike is prolonged, of course, there will be uh, delays in certain public services, such as passports, uh, paper file tax returns. Um, however, there, there, there are measures in place to, to minimize those delays, we do have essential services, a staff who are deemed essential, they're there. Yeah, what about, it? Yeah. somebody uh, mentioned earlier this morning, what about Environment Canada? Are they covered by this? Honestly, I admit I'm not sure. Okay, don't worry, we can check into that. Uh, but a lot of people are concerned about, you know, this is income tax time. Are they going to be impacted when it comes to filing a return? Uh, the vast majority of Canadians will not be impacted if they file their returns electronically. Their returns will be assessed electronically. Those that require certain types of reviews, those that file paper tax returns, yes, their returns may be impacted. All right. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, guys, that's what's going on here. Uh, back to you. To clarify, Clay, I'll just let you know, uh, we had Environment Canada on this morning and they're not in this union, although there might be people within the more the bigger part of Environment Canada, you know, not the meteorologists who might be part of PSAC. So there's all, there's all sorts of moving parts. But the- we did have Environment Canada on with a meteorologist. So, yeah, we're good. We're good in that regard. All right. Clay Young joining us live on 680 CJOB from the picket line here at Portage in Maine. And again, we've got one out in front of Union Station. And uh, I think there's was there one outside the passport office, Loren? There's, there's one outside the passport office, another outside the grain building that's just sort of uh, kitty corner almost to us on Maine. And yeah, I think also- it's just south of, south of the same building uh, where the passport office is. I think they're almost side by each. Yeah, there. so that's... And then the Union Station. I don't know why I laugh when I hear side by each. Sorry, I just got distracted. Side there. by side. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> Is that I, better? I prefer you that. Prefer yeah. That? Okay. So you know, like this strike could go on for just a couple of days, a couple of hours. It could be over soon. But I think, as they've said, the longer it goes on, the more you'll see the impacts. And and right now, if you filed electronically, which I know is the big concern, it sounds like you'll still get that return in those checks, especially if you have e-deposit and everything set up. All right. So we'll have much more on this strike through the day, through the week for sure. And of course, we also are going to have much to discuss on the better news of the day, which of course, Mr. Mackling, the North American Ice Hockey League Championship. As the Toronto Maple Leafs were falling at home to the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Seattle Kraken were winning in Denver, and the New York Rangers were winning in New Jersey. The Winnipeg Jets made it a clean sweep for the four road tre- teams last night. A tremendous team performance. Connor Hellebuck, let's start for out in goal. He was terrific when called upon. The penalty ki- kill was excellent as it's been almost all season long when they needed to. Morgan Barron, we've been talking about him all morning long. And just, you know, that exemplification of toughness and desire and luck, just all, by all reports, 
He couldn't wait to get back out on the ice. You know, he very could easily could have said, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll come back for, for game two. Nope. Got back in there. The best players on the Jets were their best players on the ice last night, in particular, Pierre-Luc Dubois. It's just one game. We're not planning a parade yet, but it's clearly a huge road win for the Jets as they take this one nothing series lead over the Vegas Golden Knights in Las Vegas last night, Brett. Puck is dropped, and it's showtime from Las Vegas, Nevada. Lead pass stopped at center ice. By DeMello, moved it ahead, with a pick back inside the zone, three on two. Connor across the line, dropping for Shifley, don't rage you, and it's kicked away by Brossois. Great chance for Shifley. For Morrissey to the near side for Dubois. He's down along the boards, in toward the corner, trying to get it out in front, a quick shot, they score! Kyle Connor, a one-timer in the slot off that pass from Dubois. Beats Brossois, and what a pick opens up the scoring this series. It's 1-0 for the Jets. Back across the line, Amadio lost the puck, off the bench in a line change, picked up again by Dubois, move right in, shoot, score! Pierre-Luc Dubois beat Lauren Brossois short side. Two quickies for the Jets. And it's 2-0 Winnipeg. Moved up along the wing, Marshall Rick wide on the far side. Here comes Vegas into where the slot is shot, they score! William Carlson, a three-way passing play. Barbashev got in on that as well. And Vegas has got some life. It's two to one, Winnipeg. Moved up along the wing, but not out. Fighting forward as Wheeler to the near side against Eichel. Freed up now to Mesnikov. On to the far side, back for Schmidt. Shoot, stop, rebound. On in front, Wheeler couldn't get to the forehand. Now the backhand, he scores! Blake Wheeler hung on to the puck, couldn't get it to the forehand, got handcuffed. And that took one stride, got it to the backhand, through traffic, beats Brossois, and Winnipeg leads it by two again. It's three to one for the Jets. Under two minutes to go to the near side for Eichel. Shot toward the net, stop, rebounded a backhand by Wah. Just put it wide, Wah, and put again in a shot. Gloved down by Hellebuck, and he'll hang on for a whistle. What a stop, a glove save by Connor Hellebuck. And it remains a two goal lead for the Jets at 3-1. Being a Coached on there by Dylan, centered out in front, broken up by Bianc, now sent ahead. Lowry to the empty net. Lowry shoots and scores! Great play by Bianc and Wheeler in front of their own net. They catapulted it down the ice. Lowry charged after it, back in behind that Vegas D. And he puts it into the yawning cage, and it's 4-1 Winnipeg here in game number one with 121 remaining in the third period. Baby! Nate Schmidt in front of his own net for Morrissey. 25 seconds to go for Domestikov. Near side for Nita Ryder across the line. Domestikov for Nita Ryder. On in front of shot, they score! Adam Lowry with a power play goal with 18 seconds left. His second of the night, and it's 5-1 Winnipeg. That will do it tonight in Vegas. So you thought it was a late night last night with the 8.30 start? Tomorrow night, the game starts at 9 local. Why? At least that's the, the scheduled time. Don't ask me. I'm not an executive with Sportsnet, CBC, nor the <laughs> National Hockey League. That's I just, want to get that's mad at you like I do the is. weather guy. Like, it's your fault yes, that this I game know, starts at I 9 know. tomorrow. It is 9 o'clock. My dad's in Newfoundland right now. Oh, <laughs> he was up watching the game till 2 o'clock this morning, his time. But he made it through the entire game. So, Dad, it's going to be even later for you uh, tomorrow night and into Friday morning on The Rock. Just taking a sigh of relief after the the fact that the Jets won. I I hate to admit this, but I fully expected to see a loss, and I don't know if that's just because it's a Winnipeg thing and you just you hope for the best but expect the worst. I don't know. So when I saw the the score, I was just so ecstatic to see the I think big it's a, big win. I think it's a good life strategy overall. Expect little out of life. What what, what is what is that, what is that sign? business we were going to start with you life is pain just get used to it <laughs> just, just all these very borderline inspirational say, sayings oh that yeah the, that's right inspiration is is all too well hidden <laughs> that's right so don't what does homer say about not trying uh kids you tried your best and you failed miserably the lesson is never try <laughs> 